Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Okay, I want to thank uh, just, we, we got so many great preachers at Antioch, and uh, it's been great to be able to you know, take a break from preaching, We're still doing all kinds of stuff, but we got great preachers. And so just thank you, everybody that, that preached and does that here at the church. We're, we're thankful. Uh, quick uh, building update. Uh, as Todd was saying, we, we have seen some great answers to prayer. We're thankful that the power's on. We're thankful that we have windows going in the front there. I think there's still a couple coming. But uh, thankful for that. We're praying in chairs right now that they would come earlier than what they said. You know, I know you guys are radical and don't need chairs, but we, I, I think chairs are great. I'm, I'm pro-chair. It's, it's a divisive issue in our culture. Um, but I'm for them. Just, sorry, it's good to laugh, isn't it? Man. Uh, yeah, on something that we can laugh about. <laughs> chairs. Oh, man, the great chair issue of 2021. Uh, but chairs, we're praying, praying those in, and just other materials. And then we're, we've got a date set for the certificate of occupancy. All these little inspections have to happen, but, but that's the big one, you know. So we want to pray those, all those things happen, that we get our certificate of occupancy. And we're shooting for August 15th would be best case scenario, or August 22nd. But man, let's, we're believing for August 15th. It could, it could really happen. So that we could be bringing this worship right over there really soon. And uh, college coming back in the next few weeks, it's going to be great. Um, today we're starting a short series on worship. I'm calling it a lifestyle of worship and uh, excited about it. We want to set ourselves on a course for you know worship right now, but worship that's moving into our new space. And it's a lifestyle. It's not just when we're over there, although, uh, you know, we want to be living a lifestyle of worship, but we also want to recognize that our worship together, when we gather and then go, we're gathering, it's our rhythm, gathering and sending, that something happens when we come together and worship like this. I mean, even just this morning, it's like, there's an intensity and an encouragement uh, for us to step into the zone together and we can better live out a life of worship flowing out of our corporate life together. So it's just that that thing is huge. And we want to have a vision for that. And um, we're going to be talking about different aspects of life on the streets. And uh, but but we we want to be an answer to the prayer. Father, let your name be hallowed in our midst and let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we're expecting like, uh, you know, like uh, when we say a thin place, we're not talking about, you know, heaven being out beyond Pluto somewhere. Heaven is God's space. Earth is our space. And we want that to be thin between where we are a conduit for heaven breaking in. So I want to cast vision for us on this today and that we would be learners in this all the days of our lives. Be learners. We haven't arrived we're learners in process, and, and because we're always learning to do the dance, that's what we were praying about. We're learning the dance with the Lord, and we learn it with each other. You know, we learn how to worship together. And so being a learner is a really good place, but I'm telling you, more and more worship is coming. More and more worship is coming. Uh, Aaron, this past week, was going through some old clips 
And uh, I think this one was, was on Instagram or something, but let's check this out. Old clip of worship in the old auditorium, in the old place. Can you, can, yes, can you participate and just even see that and not be affected? You know, God is so awesome and so worthy of our worship. And worship really is a journey. It, it is a journey. We all have stories. And uh, Antioch, Fort Worth got started as Christ Fellowship some almost 28 years ago now because we were like pilgrims that wanted to worship. I'm going to say more about that in the next few weeks, how important the worship journey has really been to us. But I mean, it's a big part of our story, of our personal story coming. You know, we were in the Church of Christ years ago. And uh, Belmont, we'd go to Belmont, we'd take these, I was reading the Psalms of Ascent this morning because we would literally read the Psalms of Ascent as we went to Nashville to Belmont Church of Christ, and now it's called Belmont Church. But uh, we'd drive up there and we'd be praying those, Lord, we want to meet with you. And, and uh, I remember being in there with uh, John Elliott, who's a friend now, but we didn't know him back then. But this worship leader, just a piano, one piano, 1,200 people packed out in the room, and he's just playing a mighty fortress is our God. And one little word shall fail him. And the place goes bonkers and cheers. And he can't start the next verse because people are cheering. Oh, yes, Lord, you're victorious. And he's, he finally just kind of pushes back and just praises the Lord with us. Just goes on and on. And that was the first time Kim told me, so that was the first time I raised my hands. You know, that sacrifice of praise when everybody's looking at you. <laughs> you know, you're laying your life down for Jesus, you know, right there in that moment. And, uh, you know, another, I'm going to just hit a few highlights here real quick, but, but, but place, a lot of our memories are connected to a place where we encountered God, yeah. where we met with God, you know, and that place becomes a special place, a thin place. It's easy to pray in the prayer room because we're praying in there all the time. Yeah. You know, it was easy to worship in the, the old auditorium because we're worshiping in there all the time. And we're going to, I mean, we want to go in worshiping into that place. I mean, we're going to have nights of worship. We just light this deal up. We've got Upper Room coming on September 10th. I don't know if I was supposed to say that yet. <laughs> but just like a baptism of worship in God's presence, right? Come on. You know, Lake Highlands was another one of our memories. Jim Reynolds was the pastor of Lake Highlands for so many years. And I remember being in there. John Elliott one time again was leading worship, went over and heard him. Another time, Dennis Jernigan. Anybody younger people like Dennis Jernigan? I mean, and it's so many of these experiences, it seems like it kind of helps if you've got like fire code issues, if you're really pressing what <laughs> the room should be holding. But I mean, there was like 800 people in the Lake Helens auditorium, you know, and just, I belong to Jesus, I belong to him, I, just jumping. I belong to Jesus, free from sin. Come on. You know, 
Uh, I, I remember uh, being in the South Lake uh, Church Auditorium before we planted Christ Fellowship, and and it, we sang a cappella back then. And but I had gotten a guitar. Uh, I played guitar, played you know for money, you know, and played in bands and stuff, and and had never worshipped, you know, using a guitar. You know, I could do Def Leppard, <laughs> you know, vile, ugly stuff, but never thought to use this this gift I'd been given to worship the Lord. And somebody gave me a stack of music, and I sat there in that darkened auditorium and played worship music with the gift I'd been given for the first time in my life, and cried my eyes out. You know, just it was it was a holy place, you know, and, uh, you know, another one was was uh, we were doing Amber Road. I played in this band in the late 90s and uh, early part of 2000s and and, uh, called Amber Rose and with Tom Davis. And we would do conferences around the country. I mean, big time and just everybody that wants to be there wants to be there to worship God, like every single person. It seemed like, you know, and I mean, just. I remember one of those first times just, and there's, again, there's, it's a packed out, it's a Bethesda's auditorium over there, and uh, probably 2,200 people in the room, again, fire code issues for sure, and a roar started up in the balcony. We were singing Shout to the Lords, Kevin Proshtun, and, and it just, and it was like the roar of a mighty rushing water out of Revelation, just, and I couldn't play anymore, undone smitten, mesmerized by the beauty of King Jesus. And, you know, so in this series, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, worship and just a worship that starts in our hearts, experienced together, and then we take it to the streets of being a mom or being a teacher or being a lawyer or being a whatever it is you do vocationally. We want to live out this life of worship together. That's, that's who we are. That's who God's called us to be. If I have a main thing today, it's, I, I've got just a lot of stuff. <laughs> I don't know if I have any points, but <laughs> sorry, Jesus. <laughs> We're going to talk about Jesus. And so God made us for glory. God made us for glory. So believe and repent and worship and live for the praise of his glory. Live in his love. Live in right relationship with him and with others. That's to the glory of God. God made us for his glory. And so when we orient ourselves to God's story, it just, there's an alignment that happens. And we just, every, and you sense it. I, I sense it this morning driving. I was worshiping, listening to Kim Walker Smith. And she was, uh, it was just, uh, what's the tune? It is Jesus Culture. Uh, fill me up, Lord. Fill me up? Yeah. Ah. I've got a handful of songs I listen to when I'm coming to coming to preach, you know, and that's one of them. And uh, I was just, I just, I, I sensed the Lord saying, walk with me, let's do this. And like I was stepping into the zone and I just, <laughs> it's exciting to me. But uh, so God made us for glory in creation. He made the creation for glory to just sing of his glory. God made us. And then he put us in that creation. And he said, let us make man in our image. He made us in his image. We radiate him, his presence. And he said, let's give man authority to rule on the earth, working with us, God says, and give that man and woman his, his life give humanity his life. And he breathed into us the breath of life. And he said, now multiply that life on the earth. And that somehow image, dominion, life, multiplication, multiplication, 
is for the glory of God. That's for God's glory on the earth. And so we are for the glory of God. And as I, even as I'm just getting into the story a little bit, doesn't it make you want to worship when you reflect on the story of God and who God is and what God has done for us? It makes me want to worship. But there is this great tension because of sin, right? Sin enters the world and, and something was lost in the eating of that fruit. You know, something was lost of the image of God. Paul says it later, like we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but it's like glory and image are really, there's some kind of connection there. Like we've sinned and fallen short of the glory, but the image, we've fallen short of how he really is. And so God wants to restore that and redeem that. That's that's something that's lost there in the garden and in sin. And so God comes to Adam and Eve and he says, where are you? These questions, where are you? Isn't that a good question for right now? kind of coming out of everything that we're coming out of, where are you? You know, and who told you that? Who told you that you're naked? You're feeling all this shame for the stuff you've done. Who told you? Who told you about this? And see, it all comes out of us taking the authority ourselves and as if we know what's best for our, our humanity. And so, and then who told you that and what have you done? So these are calls for us to repent, to turn to the Lord because God made us for glory in redemption. He doesn't leave us there. He comes to this man named Abram and he makes this promise through you and your family. I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. Everybody everywhere is going to be blessed because of what I'm doing in you. And so you've got all these types and shadows and people, Joseph and Moses, and they're, everybody's pointing, Right. Jeremiah weeping over Jerusalem. Jesus is going to come and weep over Jerusalem. Everybody's pointing, pointing to Jesus who ultimately comes. The Lord, the Savior, the King, the prophet, the priest. You know, that's who Jesus is. And and he comes and he redeems us. Paul says it like this, that we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. Like everything. Everything. Because we were chosen in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption. This isn't like plan B. In love, he predestined us for family, for sonship, for daughtership, for being included. He predestined us to be included in his family of love. That's who he is. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, predestined to walk in that. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood. He's redeeming us. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. The whole wisdom and understanding. He made known to us this plan that he's put in effect in Christ to bring everything in heaven and on earth to unity under the headship of Jesus Christ. Ah, man, that's good news. We're made for glory. We're for his glory. And, And he goes on to say that we would be for the praise of his glory. So I'm just kind of talking out of Ephesians, should have had you open there. But so, so, so we're for the praise of the glory of God. God made us for glory and redemption. And 
I just want to say, what, I, what I'm proclaiming to you right now is the truth as it is in Jesus Christ. And what we want to do is in our shame, in our brokenness, in our sin, we want to try to get Jesus to agree with us about how we feel about ourselves. And what I'm saying is, God wants us to agree with Jesus about what the truth about us is, about what he's done in redeeming humanity to himself. And so that, to actually believe that, though, that's repentance. That's changing my mind about how I feel about my sin and brokenness and shame and actually believing in what God's done to include us, to make us family, to make us one with him, to, for, for Jesus, the mediator between God and men, the, the, the vicarious human, who not only died for us on the cross and dealt with, and I just want to say, uh, I, I want to say that if Adam did something as the head of flesh humanity that affected all of us, how much more will what Jesus Christ has done on the behalf of new humanity be for us all? That's what Paul says in Romans 5. It's like, how much more? If his death made you right with God, how much more are you going to be saved by his life? So he is the human who, who, because he's the creator and God and human, everything that happens to him happens on behalf of all of us. This is radical good news. And you can't, you can't, you can't believe it enough to make it right. You can't repent enough to make this right. In fact, I don't quote Calvin a bunch. I'm about to, though. He talked about the difference between legal repentance and, and evangelical repentance. And legal repentance is where you repent, and you repent enough that you condition God to now forgive you. Like, you condition God through your actions. Evangelical repentance, on the other hand, is God has done this for us in Jesus Christ. And he's done it and we see it. And so I'm going to repent and believe it. Does it make sense? Like, it's like way more good news. <laughs> because if I'm over here, just trying, I'm, I'm working a contract out with God. If I do this, then you're going to do that. And he's going, I've reached out to you. While you were enemies, while you were in your darkened minds, I've done this for you, for humanity. Now wake up and believe the truth as it is in Jesus Christ. Makes me want to worship. God made us for glory and reconciliation. You know that he, God was in Christ. This is 2 Corinthians 5.18. I'm not in preaching shape or something. You know what else happened? This morning we ran out of K-cups, and so all that was in there was some coffee, was a, a couple bags of coffee, and I had to open up a bag of coffee. Somebody given us, I don't know, a year or two old, I don't, it's Trader Joe's dark roast, and I thought, what am I going to do? And so I made a French press. <laughs> like, I think a French press is stronger than regular coffee. <laughs> Gosh, help me, Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.18, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. 
That's what God has done in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And now he's given us the calling to be reconcilers, reconciled with him, reconciled with the world around us, reconciled with our brothers and sisters, all different kinds of stripes and flavors. Doesn't all that make you want to worship just as you reflect on the story of God and what God has done for us in Christ? You know, Hebrews was written to a to people that were being persecuted. They were having their property confiscated and stolen, but the writer starts off with this revelation of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible, the the exact representation of God's glory. That's who Jesus is, and he holds all things together by the power of his word. That's who Jesus is. And he says, now fix your eyes on Jesus. When you're going through hard times, when you've been in struggles or trials, and you've been in the desert or the wilderness or the wasteland, or you've been in sin, fix your eyes on Jesus and throw off the stuff that's hindering you, the stuff that's dragging you down. Throw that stuff off and run with Jesus because he is our high priest. Now we're talking about worship. He's our high priest who literally leads us. We get, to, we get to walk in with him in his life and have his experience. He's leading us into the place of worship and prayer. It, and, and it's real, you guys. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And so Paul says, I, now I'm just I'm making it my effort, my goal to proclaim Christ everywhere I can. I pray that these, that you would be encouraged in heart and united in love and that you would know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians 2, 3. Somebody, you know, so where I'm going with this is, you know, Worship gets stirred up when we think about who God is, when we think about what God's done. And that's the call that's on our life. First uh, Peter, I'm going to get to John 4. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It stirs us up. When we experience God's grace and love, we want to worship. We want to declare his praises. Worship is stirred when we see Jesus, when we see God. And I'm going to just put it like this. When we see who God is and what God's done. When we see who God is and what God's done, worship gets stirred up in us. You know, so, uh, and I want to just say that it's imperative that we have a revelation. Like, it's the revelation that makes us actually want to worship. It's the revelation. It's seeing who God is and how he's revealed himself first and foremost in the person of Jesus Christ and in the sending of his spirit where Jesus is revealed to us. This is called uh, the economy of God. But, But there's a difference between Um, these statements that we make about who God is and what God does. And I just want to make sure that however we understand God, we don't do it in a way that's in conflict with the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. Like, so, um, you know, uh, I was talking with somebody the other day about the mystery of God. We were talking about attributes and is, is, is is God 
as, as mystery. Is that an attribute? I was like, yeah, it is. God is a mystery, but he's not a total mystery because he's revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ. There's things we don't understand, but the philosophical tradition of, that's been passed down to us from the Greeks and these different statements about God, God is unknowable. That's one of those statements. Well, you know, there's, there's some, some of that that's true, but then there's some of that that's not true. And what we want to do is keep our eyes on Jesus so that we, we look at these statements about who God is. God is immutable. He doesn't change, right? But we want to make sure that, that there's dynamics of that that's true, but we don't want to just bet hook, line, and sinker without looking at the person of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, God has revealed himself in Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in relationship to say Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is to say the eternal Son of the eternal Father and their shared love and communion in the Holy Spirit. But there is a way of just in our minds, in our darkened minds of saying, yes, but I know these other things about God. Like that's the God that's revealed in Jesus, but I've got these other deep concepts over here that I like to talk about, about God. And I'm just saying, don't do that. Make sure whatever you say about God, you're looking at it through the lens of Jesus. God is like Jesus all the way down. He's Christ-like and there is no un-Christ-likeness in God. To see him is to see God. He is the image of the invisible God, the radiance of his glory, the, all, all those things. And, and he reveals God perfectly. He only does what the Father's doing. He only says what the Father's saying. He reveals, he, I do nothing of my own initiative. And God's perfect, full blessing is on him. This is my son whom I love, and him I'm well pleased. This is my, and then to the mountain. This is my son whom I love. Uh, listen. Listen to him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the light of the world. Like we can't see God without Jesus. We're dark. We're darkened. We're groping around until Jesus comes and reveals God in our darkness. And he takes on us so that we can be fully redeemed. He's the light of the world. And in him, there is no darkness He is the truth of all truths. Over to John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. And in Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So so Jesus is the light, is the life that connects creation, God, and humanity together. And we're proclaiming him today. He is the great mediator. He is the, the vicarious human that brings us with him into the presence of God. And all blessings, everything in heaven, that all these blessings that are ours in Christ. A.W. Tozer once said, this is an interesting little tension between Tozer and C.S. Lewis, but Tozer said in a periodical, religious periodical, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's a real famous quote. 
what comes into our minds, the most important thing about us. C.S. Lewis responded, and check out the tension here, by God himself, it is not. (laughs) What comes into our minds is the most important thing about us. He says, how God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. (laughs) What he's saying there is that the most important thing about us isn't what we think about God, it's what God thinks about us. You know, and then our thoughts about God flowing out of that, that's what matters. Make sense? John 4. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, this is great. I'm having, having fun preaching. Um, John 4. So Jesus talks with the Samaritan woman. You guys, a lot of you guys know the story. Will you give me a drink? How can you ask me for a drink? I'm a Samaritan woman. You're a Jew. We don't talk. He said, well, if you knew who was asking you, you'd ask me for water, and I would give you living water. Just, I would give you the water of life. And so then he goes, she moves on, and he says, go tell your husband. I, and and uh, she says, I don't have a husband. She says, right, you don't have a husband. You've had five, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. I can see you're a prophet. And so she says, the Jews say we need to worship in Jerusalem, and we say we need to worship here on this mountain. What do you say? And so I'm picking it up there in verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. You know, he does this a couple times in John, but it's like, whoa, you know, this And what he's proclaiming to us, and the reason I said worship and the relational God of love is because Jesus reveals to us a God of relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity. And so to join in that, again, going back to the dance, is to be invited into the fellowship, participation, sharing, communion, all those kinds of words like that, the worship of God. When things are as they should be, seeing God the way he should be seen in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives, in our actions. And so then for him to say this, you know, a lot of times the things I emphasize out of John 4 in this passage on worship is that it needs to be from the inside out, you know, spirit and truth in reality. But the thing I want to emphasize today is the Trinity. And just to say, the Father is looking for worshipers who worship in the spirit and in truth. And who is the truth of all truths? The reality explaining God is Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And so, Lord, would you help us to be worshipers who worship you from the innermost part of our being into reality, but worshiping in this reality of who you've, who you've revealed yourself to be a God of relationship, a God of love, a God where what we say about God is actually 
found to be true in his actions. And what we see about his actions in our lives, it describes what's true about him. You know, so he's spirit and he is love. Like the way John says it later in 1 John chapter 4, is God is love. And this is how we know what love is. It's in the action of God that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And there is agreement in who God is and what God does. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, for it is we, he's, there's people coming in saying you got to be circumcised and follow the law. He says, no, it's we who are the true circumcision. We who worship by the Spirit of God and who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. You know, I'm, I'm going to finish this way. It is time for a reset. It's time to worship. It's time for fresh vision in our lives of who we are and who we're called to be. What God, who God is and what God's done, what God is doing, what God will do. And to immerse ourselves in that story that we find ourselves in, that it's been going a long time. It's a moving train. We didn't, we didn't come up with this. We've hopped on a moving train that is moving toward new creation. And we are living creative lives in the fifth act of the play right now under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, demonstrating, being a signpost for what's coming, the kind of worship that God is wanting to bring in and through our lives. Love for Him, relationship with Him, receiving from Him, expressing Him, being the people of God on the mission of God, for the glory of God, for the worship of God. And, and I just... This, is a, this call is that no one, no one would be left out. No one be left out of this. You know, Micah came over and was praying for me. He said, man, Jamie, I was just looking at the drums here. And you can, if you look over here, you can see there's, there's dust on the drums. They, they haven't been being used. Now, their purpose is to keep time and make rhythm and help to Bring praise to God. Let the clash of the cymbals happen to God's praise and glory. Psalm 150, right? But they've got dust because they haven't been, been using, they're being, being used for the purpose for which they were created. And so I just, man, I thought, oh, that's good. Like we have a purpose. Our purpose is to give glory to God, to be for the praise of the glory of God. And some of us, we may have some dust in our lives that needs to be kind of cleaned off and just kind of fresh baptism, wash that stuff off in the worship of God, right? But God is wanting to do that. It's why we meet together. It's, it's why we say, Lord, stir our hearts with, with devotion to you. You know, I'm thankful for the video option that we have and that we've, you know, been, you know, had to step into during this season, but it doesn't substitute actually being together with our brothers and sisters you know I mean if you're you're here you, you just or and I know there's people who have different reasons for traveling and all kinds of stuff but but being together it's just a it's a different thing man I mean just you're just sitting here to listen to these praises and I'm just one big goosebump just like Lord I love you I worship you thank you Lord and I want just to encourage you to dream about your life again starting right now Dream about your life, your family. We, we dreamed with this little two-year-old little child, 
running around, rambunctious, strong-willed, um, blessed of God. <laughs> but we dreamed, what would it be like to raise her in a worshiping community, a worship culture, you know, and, and getting to see that take shape over time. And um, I just want to encourage you, dream about your life. What will your life look like if you live this life of worship to the Lord? What will your children, what will your husband, your husband-to-be, your wife-to-be, or whatever, however that breaks down for us, we want to pass on a passion for Jesus to the next generation. That's who we are. I just, we are coming into something. We are coming into something. You would just turn, tell somebody right there close by, we're coming into something. Amen. Y'all stand up. Let's respond to the Lord. Amen. So just a couple things here. One is the desire to worship. Let's just pray that in. We're going to just pray with somebody close by or by yourself, but we don't have enough room to do a full kind of space up here for ministry time. But um, let's just pray right there where we're at. Pray with someone that we would be worshipers, that we would immerse ourselves in the story of God, that we would see Jesus with fresh eyes and have a revelation of who God is and what God's doing, what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do, and, and live with that kind of expectation. And for I know for me, I regularly have to repent from thinking my thoughts about my sin or my, you know, thinking like, you know, I need to do something more for God to accept me. I just, I'm not thinking that all the time, but sometimes I am. And so I have to repent to Jesus' view of me, of how he's included me in his life and brought me into the throne room with him, where every spiritual blessing. So it may be that it, for worship to break through in a new way, it's like, Lord, I want to repent from the way I think to the way you think. I want to get your thoughts going in my heart. But Lord, make us worshipers. At Antioch, Fort Worth, make us worshipers. So Lord, just release ministry, release desire right now. Release fresh hunger in Jesus' name. Amen. Just pray with someone. Let's press into the Lord here. Take a few minutes. mercy. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, the renewing. Renew our minds, Lord. Renew our minds. Then you will be able to test and to prove what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We offer ourselves to you, Lord, yes.